What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing out there? It's your boy TJ, and I'm back with another episode of the Soapbox. Man, it feels real good to be talking to you guys today. I'm feeling really good about this episode, and I want you guys to just sit back and relax and enjoy the information that I'm pushing out to you. I don't know what time of the day it is that you're tuning in, but I want to thank you so much for your love and support. I'm really feeling the support that I'm getting from everybody right now. So, with no further ado, we're going to jump on into the episode. All right, so last week we were continuing on our roller coaster about the clan, and I talked to you guys about some of the relationships that we dealt with um, inside the clan and some of the intimate relationships. And I'm going to continue on with that, and I might slide a little bit into next week's uh, episode as well, simply because the subject matter is so large, and I want to make sure that I get everything covered. Um, so where I left off was talking about angel and my situation with her that was a very tough time because coming off of that situation i actually came back down to south carolina for a while dealing with the situation with the abortion and before i came down i was working for a security company in maryland but i had to leave to come back down to south carolina so i lost that job so when i got down here uh, a lot of what I was doing down here was just kind of maintaining until I could go back to Maryland. So after the situation with Angel, a little bit of time passed and I moved back up to Maryland. Well, once I got back to Maryland, things kind of continued where they left off. Um, Scenery changed because at this point in time, we were actually uh, in the process of securing a new location that we were calling our home. Uh, Like I said before, Sifu was all about entertainment you know that was his big thing he always wanted to be this big actor so when it came down to what types of business we did he always wanted us to be involved in entertainment and music and things like that which really fell right into me and my brother's laps because that was kind of what we were always involved in anyway so when we got to a little area called Dundalk Maryland we began dealing with a Junri Taekwondo school that was in columbia maryland and the reason why we started dealing with these these guys is because what we decided to do we decided to shoot a small movie uh independent film of our own and we call the movie shadow of a doubt i still have the script i still have the casting call it was actually really big the way we did the production because of course if we wanted to make sure that everything looked like we were really established so we even went and got sag accreditation and the whole nine yards and we cast it for this movie And when we did this casting for this movie, we decided that we were going to start training for the action sequences of this movie. So when we decided to do that, what we did was we reached out to a few people that had auditioned for the film. And one of the guys that auditioned for the film or wanted to be a part of the film was actually a Junri practitioner. And he had a school in Columbia, Maryland. So after talking with this guy, we found out 
out that not only did he want to be in the film, but he was open for his school being a part of the production and for members of his school to be a part of the cast. So, of course, we decided to utilize that asset. And I'll never forget the first day that we went. We showed up and we got out of our vehicles and we walked in. And of course, Sifu always made it a point to be elaborate in his approach to anyone because he wanted to stand out and appear as if he was some type of martial guru. So he even dressed the part. He showed up with a, a gift and it was almost as if we were we were meeting this dude in the essence of some old ancient kung fu flick. Well, lo and behold, that when we met this guy, he was introducing us to his students. And it was then that I laid eyes on CB. Now, CB was one of this guy's students, but not only was she one of his students, she was actually one of his main students who had been with him for quite some time, and she was an instructor as well. I immediately was attracted to CB. Not only was she a very beautiful girl, but she was proficient in martial arts. So I felt like this would be a perfect match to be with me inside of the clan. So we talked, and a couple moments went by, a couple different incidents where we went to the school to train. And I went ahead and I told Sifu that I was interested in pursuing CB. Sifu was all for it. He thought it was a great idea. So I began to pursue CB. At the time, I did not realize that this was the beginning of my exit of the clan. I have to give credit to my relationship with CB for a lot of different things. But one of the main things that I always have to credit CB for is I have to credit CB for her role in my ability to escape the clan. So once I started dating CB, there were a lot of times when I would have to uh, ask for permission to do certain things. For instance, uh, CB and her mom wanted to go on a camping trip. And then after that camping trip, I was going to bring CB down to South Carolina to see my mom and my brother and my other family members. So CB said that her mom wanted to go on this trip. So what I did was I told Sifu. He said that I had to present him with a list of the location that we wanted to stay at so that he could have them surveyed to make sure that there were no deadly threats there to me while I was there. So I did so. As a matter of fact, I told CB and her mom that I wanted to get the information of the different locations and I was going to present that to Sifu. So when I presented that to Sifu, Sifu picked the place. Now, her mom wanted to go to this specific spot and the main reason why she wanted to go is because it was a beautiful background, beautiful location. She said that there were wild deer that, that ran all out in the open, that there were really beautiful. It was a great place to camp. Sifu said we couldn't stay there because there was a demon that lived there that had been encamped there for a while, very powerful, and he didn't want me near him. So in turn, we ended up going to another location. And the truth of the matter is, is we had a great time, but I could tell that there was this, this odd feeling from CB's mom. Not CB, because I had already begun telling CB about the inner workings of the clan. So she knew what I was inside of. She knew a lot about what I had going on, but she didn't know some of the intricacies that were held off until she was deeper in the relationship with me. But her mom knew nothing. The only thing that her mom knew was that I was living with 
with my martial arts instructor in Maryland, along with other individuals who were a part of the same group. The truth of the matter is that wasn't too odd to them because situations like that are not rare in the North. So I was able to keep a lot from her mother. But what really gave me the window to begin to work my way out was CB lived in Columbia, Maryland. Of course, I lived at the time in Dundalk, right outside of Baltimore and uh, Towson, where we were where we were living before. So a lot of times what I would do is I would go and stay with CB. Now, I had to, of course, ask permission to do so, but we traded all. Some nights I would go stay with CB. Some nights CB would come and stay with me. Of course, when CB came to stay with me, there was this elaborate show put on as to not let CB know anything that she didn't need to know about the clan. But there were many more nights that I went to stay with CB. CB really opened the door for me to sort of live outside of the clan. Because originally, when we first started dating, CB got sick. And when she got sick, I asked Sifu if it was okay if I could go and see about her and treat her and care for her. So I did. And CB was sick for almost almost three or four days. And I actually went there and stayed with her the whole time. It was from there that this process of me being able to just sort of get away from the clan to be with CB actually came to light to to be able to operate that way. It even got to a point where I was actually spending more nights with CB than I was with the clan. Now, I truly believe that in Sifu's mind, he thought that I was so deep into the clan and the clan's life that there was no way that I was going to be able or that I would think in a different direction. So as I continued to go with CB, as I continued to stay at CB's house, as I continued to go on trips with CB and do different things with CB, I began to lose, or rather Sifu began to lose some of the grip that he had on me through his manipulation. There were many questions that I already had in my mind, but now that I was spending more time with CB, I was able to test those questions. Like for instance, Sifu always said that people who smoke tainted their cheek. And he said that he could tell people that smoke because he could see their auras. He could see the, the makeup of their cheek. He said also that we were never to engage in romantic relationships with people who did those things because it would taint ours and he could see that as well. Well, initially I told him that CB didn't smoke. Truth of the matter is she did. As a matter of fact, in all honesty, she stopped for a brief moment because I asked her to and then started back. Never once did Sifu say he could tell that she was smoking and he saw her a lot. Never once did he say that he could tell that it had tainted my cheek because he saw me every day. CB, a lot of times she and I would go places and do things and I would never even notify Sifu. Now, the reason why that matters is because Sifu also said that any time that I went with CB anywhere to do anything, that he always sent a guardian with me to watch me, to watch over me, to report back to him what was going on, if I was okay, what things were happening. Me and CB did all kinds of things that Sifu never knew about. Went all kinds of places that Sifu never knew about. Me and CB took a trip to Ohio and we did all kinds of fun things in Ohio and I never reported a single one to Sifu. And I was never questioned. So now I'm starting to wonder. Now 
I'm starting to question the validity of the things that he's saying. But it's not like it just happened then. And this is where the the sacrifices we made come into play, or at least the ones that I made come into play. So anyway, to cap off the situation with CB, CB was a wonderful experience in my life. Um, she took me to so many different places, showed me so many different things, opened my eyes to a lot of things that I had never experienced as a guy, as a as a youth, uh, as a young man, free and away from home. CB really gave me the ability to kind of see the world. And I will always thank her and acknowledge her for that. But there's one thing that will always stick in my mind when it comes down to CB. And that was her ability to help me get away. See, I had finally gotten to the point where I felt like the situation was wrong and things were horrible and I needed to to figure out a way to get out. But I couldn't just leave. And there was no way I could go to Sifu and tell Sifu and the clan that I wanted to leave because I was afraid that that would be the last conversation that I have with anybody. Like I explained to you guys before, we all were afraid of the worst case scenario because the worst case scenario was what was always preached to us. And me being the individual who was there from the beginning, the knowledge that I had at the time was more of a threat to the group than anybody else that was there. So for me to leave would mean a major, major hindrance to the group all the way around. So I talked to CB and I talked to CB's mom and CB didn't want me to go, but she understood that I had to get away. So what me and CB did was we went ahead and we secured me a ride from Baltimore to South Carolina. CB brought me a bus ticket that would leave in the middle of the night. She could not, or rather, I could not buy the bus ticket with my account because my account was monitored by A. See, every dollar that we spent was being watched by the clan. So I couldn't buy the bus ticket. CB bought the bus ticket. When she brought the bus ticket, she brought the bus ticket for 12 o'clock that night or the night that I would be leaving. I didn't get a chance to leave with anything that I own. So when I left, I left with nothing because I didn't want to make it appear that I was doing anything abnormal. It had to look like this was just a normal night that I was going to stay at CB's house. So what I did was I made sure that I didn't leave anything unturned, any stone untouched. So any account that I had that they had access to, I deleted it. Any kind of tie that I had to them dealing with uh, social media or work or anything like that, I cut it loose. I had a lot of possessions, a lot of things that I owned in that house, but I left them all. And I went to CB's house that night with a pair of jogging pants, a black hoodie, my wallet, and a cell phone that they brought for all of us. Me and CB said our final goodbyes, or rather our momentary goodbyes, because we would see each other again after this. And CB drove me to the bus stop. I got on the bus with just what I had. And I rode the bus all the way to Florence, South Carolina, where my mom, her husband, and my brother were waiting for me to pick me up. If CB had not been in my life, and if CB was not willing to take the chance to help me get away, I would still be there right now. As a matter of fact, if that window of time wasn't presented to me, where I was able to spend that time away from the clan with CB, to be able to experience a lot of things that I never had a chance to experience in life and to be able to test Sifu and the clan from a 
distance. If those things weren't there, I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if TJ is doing a podcast called The Soapbox. And this is why I say that it's so important that people understand the, the validity of these type of situations. Because they went looking for me after this. As a matter of fact, they went to CB's house. And CB told them she didn't know where I was. She never gave them any information, didn't clue them in, didn't give them anything. So it is important that you understand that people that are in these situations, when their back is against the wall, they need help. They need assistance. They don't need criticism. They don't need someone telling them what they did wrong or how bad things could have been. They need you to help them. Right before I left, I put together a letter that I left to the clan. And this is almost 20 years later, 15 years later. I, I can't even remember what the letter said altogether at this point. But I do remember pointing out some of the major flaws that Sifu had that caused me to realize that everything that we had been living had been a lie. I really, truly am glad that I wrote that letter. And I'm really, truly glad that I left that letter because my brother was there when the letter was read to him. And inside of that letter, my brother heard all the words that he needed to hear for him to get out of this situation as well. So I credit CB for my brother leaving too. I appreciate her for her contribution to giving me and my brother a second chance at being able to live outside of the control of a cult. Now, CB was the last relationship that I was in intimately while I was inside of the cult. But while I was there, there were certain relationships that the clan had with other people that were very odd. Not that I'm saying that the relationship itself was odd, but it's just the interaction because of the way Sifu wanted to approach it. Like the gentleman that I talked to you guys about a few minutes ago with the Junri school and how I met CB. He was a very nice man, a very decent guy. And Sifu was always wanting to deal with him to see what we could suck out of him as far as services go. What could we use? Because that's truly the way Sifu saw the rest of the world. He saw the palette of people as more of a service than actual individuals. So he never treated them horribly, but he was always plotting on how we could use whatever it is that they had. And in truth, that was his approach with everyone that was not a clan member. I mean, ultimately, that was his approach to all the clan members as well. But when it came to individuals that had other avenues of success, other claims to fame, other successful businesses and stores and things like that, Sifu was always trying to figure out a way that we could weed every little ounce of whatever it is that they had to offer out of them. And he trained us to operate the exact same way. He trained us to continue to, to search for and seek out individuals that we could leech from or suck from or help us move to a better position. But we weren't the only individuals in the clan who had relationships that were worth talking about. After the M situation with Sifu, clan members decided, all of us, that we were going to find Sifu a mate. So we went looking and we also took Sifu's image and we created these fake uh, social media identi identities and placed him on these single sites. And I mean, there was a lot of work that was done to help Sifu find a mate. And on one of the sites, we ended up, or rather more A than anybody, finding a 
young lady who I will call China Doll. Now, in all honesty, when we first met China Doll, she really didn't seem like she was a very, very bad person, nor did she seem like she was extremely off or uh, mentally disturbed. But the more and more we began to spend time with China Doll and she began to come around, I began to realize that China Doll was suffering from some of the same mental issues that I was beginning to see from Sifu. The amazing part about it was Sifu himself would say from time to time that China Doll was suffering from delusions and situations that she was simply making up. It's amazing how he was able to call that, given his own actual action. But China China Doll was a very attractive young lady. She was uh, Korean, partly, and she came from a martial arts background also. China Doll was into everything that Sifu was into, and she quickly became his prized possession inside of the house. But what made China Doll an issue in the clan most of the time was that China Doll operated in a, a fashion that was very contrary to the way that we were all trained. So a lot of times, China Doll's actions would contradict things that we were told and taught to do. But Sifu would give her leeway on a lot of it. And of course, I mean, you'd have to think he would, seeing as how, you know, it is his mate. But she was given a lot of open room to say some things that she probably shouldn't say, to do some things she probably shouldn't do. But she was very quiet at times. And at first, she was extremely nervous and timid. But slowly but surely, Sifu began to work her into a position where we were supposed to see her as a mother figure. Now, the dynamic of student-servant-son is a dynamic that I'm going to talk to you about later. But what made China Doll very hard for us to ever see anyway that would remotely relate to being a mother figure is that many of us were still battling with this idea that Sifu and the clan wanted us to distance ourselves from our actual biological mother. You see, this whole us versus them complex was rooted very deeply into the relationship fabric of the clan. And a lot of times we had a hard time making decisions that were contrary to how our family wanted to operate. I remember the first Christmas I missed because of the clan. I remember the first Thanksgiving I missed because of the clan. I remember the first family reunion I missed because of the clan. I remember my mother's birthday, my my father's birthday, my brother's birthday, death in my family. And I was not allowed to come and participate because that's not my true family, or at least that's the angle that the clan wanted us to take. And see, it was hard for us to juggle that because here we are being trained to think this way. But then China Doll comes along and all of a sudden, all of these rituals, all of these situations, all of these events turned into us spending time with Sifu's family. I wasn't allowed to visit my own mom during Christmas, but I spent all day with Sifu's family. Now, this is not the clan I'm talking about. This is his biological family. This is his family that is outside of the clan. China Doll was able to see her family pretty much whenever she wanted, especially at first. That was a lot of the hypocrisy that began to bleed into the mind of people like me and my brother because we saw the double standard playing out in our face. So when I left, China Doll was still there. I don't know if she's still there now. I haven't seen any evidence that she's there, but I would not doubt that she is still around. But the relationship 
relationships that were a part of the clan were very toxic. And I would dare say, and there are many people who are escapees of the clan that would probably echo what I'm about to say. But I would dare say that every single friendship, every single association, every single individual that I met, that I associated with, that I became close to during my time in the clan was tainted by some type of effort from Sifu or the clan pressuring the ability to get something out of these people. And I met some great guys while I was a part of the clan. I've gained some great friendship while I was a part of the clan. As a matter of fact, some of these guys I still communicate with today. Not that they were clan members, not that they even knew anything about the clan. Some of them just knew me for the avenue and the arena that we met in. I met a lot of guys doing music in Baltimore, Maryland. I met a lot of guys up there while I was shooting videos and creating movies. And, and these guys are still like brothers to me now because they met me in the arena of what we were working in. But what they didn't know at the time is that behind the scenes, there was another motivating force that was fueling everything that we did. There was another pressure valve that was causing us to have to keep going, to keep doing. To, and, and I have to apologize. Right now on this podcast, I have to apologize to any one of those individuals who's hearing this post because I may have made a decision. I may have thought something or created something or did something that was either offensive or you didn't understand or you didn't know why I did that. And this is why. Right now in this podcast, I have to apologize to CB because I pulled her into a world that she didn't ask to be a part of. And I added stress to her life by trying to juggle me with everything else that she had going on. And then utilizing her as my avenue of escape. I have to apologize to Angel for all of the hurt and the pain that I caused her inside of this situation and making her give up the one thing that makes every woman in the world a precious jewel. And that's their ability to give life. I have to apologize to TR. And though she's not alive now to hear it, to have pulled her through so much stress at such a young age, to have caused her the strain during high school years when people are supposed to be finding themselves and figuring out what it is that they want to do with their life. She had to figure out what to do with me. I have to apologize for that. To all the brothers and sisters that are out there right now that I dealt with inside of the clan, I have to apologize to you because I played a major role in your extension and time inside of such a destructive group and organization. People don't understand the magnitude of how this lifestyle hurts so many people. So that's really all I have to tell you guys about the varying relationship, which leads me to what I hope to clear up in the next episode. And that's the sacrifices because inside of the clan, we all made major sacrifices. I remember, and let me say this, these sacrifices were done in different realms, mental, spiritual, and physical. And so to end this segment, I'll tell you about one as we lead into next week. When I left to go to Maryland to live, Sifu stated that he had set me up a place to stay because I didn't have a place to stay. And at the time, Sifu and A were living with his grandmother, but Sifu wouldn't allow me to go there. So when I left to go to Maryland, I went and stayed with Sifu's 
Bill's mom. And in truth, this is where everything began to change for me. When I got to Maryland, I rode the bus. And when I rode the bus, Sifu and A were at the bus stop waiting for me. When I got there and I got into the vehicle, I was so excited to see them. I hadn't seen them in quite some time because I had been staying in South Carolina waiting on the progression up to Baltimore. Sifu and A drove me to Sifu's mom's house. This location was in the heart of Baltimore, north and Cullinan, east Baltimore. It was a row home and Sifu dropped me off and gave me strict instruction and I was to stay there until we were able to isolate a location where we would all stay. When I got there, the location I stayed at, the where she stayed at, for one, had no power. They were stealing power from people that lived in the block, a couple houses down. The house was nasty, dusty, insects everywhere, rats in and out of the home. The room I slept in hadn't been cleaned in years. And it was so, it was so dusty in the home that you could literally smell the dirt in the air. There was no hot water. And for a while, there was no water at all. Sifu's mom very, very rarely cooked or cleaned or did anything because what Sifu failed to notify me of was that his mother was not only a drug addict, but she was also a drug dealer. So she did more than just sell drugs, but she was constantly doing drugs. As a matter of fact, there were days when she would go up into the attic and stay in the attic for days. I wouldn't see her at all. Two, three days passed by and not see her. There was no air conditioning, no ceiling fans, no window fan, because of course, like I said, they were stealing electricity. So there were only a few things in the house that they could power at one time. So when it was hot, it was hot. And when it was cold, you had to wrap up. I actually ended up securing a job working this security location that I told you guys about before I came back down to South Carolina with the angel situation. I would come home from that security job and most times I would sleep in my tennis shoe because I didn't want any of the guys who came in and out the house all the time to steal them. Not to mention the two guys that stayed there. One of them was Sifu's mom's boyfriend and the other one was a friend of the family. They got high on a regular basis. And I'm not talking marijuana. I'm talking anything from heroin, cocaine, to crack. Real serious drugs. And it always ran through my mind all the time. What if this house got raided and I was there? And I would express all these things to Sifu and to him, it was the sacrifice that was necessary for the end game, for the end goal. And the problem that I had with that was you want me to make this sacrifice, but not even 10 blocks away. You're living in a location where you can bathe every day, where you can shower when you want, when you can look at whatever you want on television, when you can play whatever game you want to play, when you can eat when you want, when you have somebody there who's going to take care of you. So your life was never interrupted. I left the security of my home to come into your care and you put me in a situation where at every minute of the day, every throw of the hour, my life was in danger. At any point in time, I could lose my freedom because I'm living here with somebody that you wouldn't even stay with. But not only am I living here in danger, but I'm living here in complete discomfort because I can't do anything that resembles a normal life. I can't bathe. I can't brush my teeth. I can't eat. I can barely sleep. I remember that after I got back to Maryland, I had to get major dental work done because living with his mom, I had to go so long without brushing my teeth that my 
teeth began to rot under my gum. I remember having to boil water just so I could take a, a hot bath before going to work after the third or fourth day because I smelled so bad. I remember going to work some nights and using their shower. I know a lot about sacrificing for a call because in all honesty, I sacrificed a whole bunch for the clan. But I'm not alone. Other people made major sacrifices too. And in the next episode, I'm going to talk about all of those and elaborate on this one. But all right, guys, I went a little long again, but I really felt like we needed to round out the relationship situation and kind of prep you for next week of what's to come. But again, I tell you guys that this subject matter is major. There are people out there right now suffering and they are going through situations just like this. If you are one of them and you hear this podcast, I'm with you. I'm here for you. If you need me, just contact me. I got you. To all of you out there, stay safe, stay strong. I love you. Peace.